This morning's scripture reading is Psalm 126, a song of ascents. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. We're looking at the Psalms of Ascent. In our series, Jimmy preached on one last week, and we have uh, a few more weeks to go. But the Psalms are given to us by God to show us how to emote. He has given them to us to put words to our emotions and how we're feeling. They're given to us, given to us so that we might sing back to God our life experiences. And Psalm 126 is going to show us how to articulate pain and hurt but also ask for hope and restoration from God. So before we get too far, let's pray and ask God to bless our time. Heavenly Father, would you please come and bless through your Holy Spirit those of us that hear this sermon, that hear this psalm, that we might find your mercy as rich and beautiful and that we might love you and follow you, and dedicate, dedicate our lives to you more. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to read the words of a worldwide superstar. Think about how she is feeling as, she, as these words are being read. It says, I've seen dark before, but not like this. This is cold. This is empty. This is numb. The life I knew is over. The lights are out. Hello, darkness. I'm ready to succumb. This grief has a gravity. It pulls me down, but a tiny voice whispers in my mind, you are lost. Hope is gone. I came across these words in the good old days of November 2019 when I took my daughters to the theater, the movies, to see Frozen 2. And these words are from Anna, and Frozen too. And she's singing this. And as I heard it, it deeply resonated with my heart to the point of I started to cry. And I'm crying in the theater with my two girls, one on each side, and, and I'm then worried about them and saying to myself, okay, you need to check on them. And so, you know, I check with one, are you okay? Yeah, okay. Are you, are you, are you okay? Yeah. Yeah, well, um, cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine. I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay too. Don't, don't worry. Yeah, I'm good. But the reason that I was so moved, the reason was that her words just resonated with my heart so much because I have felt that hopelessness before. And you have felt that hopelessness before. And so what I want us to see this morning is how Psalm 126 gives us words that are given to us by God so that we might sing together 
when we feel hopeless, when we feel like all hope is gone, when we feel like we just want to cry out because we're in pain, we're struggling. And when Psalm 126 it would have been sung by the Israelites on their way, once a year journey, on their way to the temple in Jerusalem. So this morning we're going to look at three things. We're going to look at acknowledging the pain of the presence of the present, remembering God's mercy of the past, and longingly hope for the future. So first, acknowledging the pain of the present. Jimmy talked last week about the dangers that were on this road, that were on this journey. He talked about not having enough food or enough water, talking about the heat being overwhelming. He talked about how it was tough terrain and you might get an injury and how you were always under the threat of being assaulted or being robbed. And so there's all these potential dangers, there's all this potential pain on this journey. But there's all this potential pain in all of our lives all the time. I don't think anyone would argue with that right now. The world is broken. And it was for them, too. And what we need to do is to acknowledge this. And we need to grieve it. We need to acknowledge our pain and feel it and grieve it that the world is not the way it's supposed to be, that we live in this fallen world. And those are our experiences. You see in verse 4 how the psalmist is asking God, restore our fortunes, O Lord. Like, we don't have them anymore. They're gone. Restore them. And then verse 5, those who sow in tears. So people are crying. Verse 6, he who goes out weeping. These are people that are hurting. These are people that are weeping. These are people that are suffering And God is saying, I want you to sing this together because this is your reality. This is your reality. You cannot escape pain. You cannot escape sin. You cannot escape suffering or trials or loss or hurt. Unfortunately, all of us are aching with pain. And it hurts. And it's hard. And I... I want us to stop pretending that it's not. Now, it's not helpful when people say things like, well, you just need to suck it up. Or they say things like, you need to look on the bright side. Or, uh, let me paint you this silver lining here. Or just dismiss it all together. That is not helpful. Right when you're talking with someone, you want to make it better, but rarely can a response make it better. And really what we want is connection. We long for connection. So if I share my pain with you, I don't want you to paint a silver lining. I don't want you to explain it away. I want you to sit with me and just say, I don't know what to say, but I love you. I'm going to sit here with you in your pain. And we can mourn together and we can hurt together. And we would do that because it brings connection. It brings connection through God's people. And you might say, well, I don't have pain. I don't have hurt like you're talking about, David. I just put my head down and keep going. 
and I push those feelings to the side. And I want to say, okay, well then maybe you need to stop. Maybe you need to put your head up and realize what your reality is. And you might say, well, if I start crying, I'm never going to stop. Well, maybe you need to. Maybe you need to so that healing may come. You think about the reality of our world right now. I mean, we're in a pandemic, okay? So first of all, talking about pain in the world, everyone on the entire planet can relate to this. We're in a pandemic where people are dying by the thousands each day. People are sick and lonely and losing their jobs and longing for relationships and living within these limitations of, you know, you can come over, but you got to stay away and you can't give your friends a hug. And you're longing for connection. And I don't know about you, but it has been hard and brutal to live through that. And what we need to do is to grieve that and take it to God. And what we need to do is mourn that and grieve that with each other. We do that, we acknowledge it, we grieve it, it connects us as God's people. So that's one area. Another area that we see this is a nationwide issue. We need to acknowledge the nationwide pain of the black community. We need, it's being acknowledged all across the world. And we need to grieve for and grieve with the black community that's carrying pain and injustice all of the time, every day. We need to sit with them and listen to their pain and not look away because their lives are connected to ours. We need to listen to those that are fighting systemic racism and we need to become allies with them. We need to get them whatever it is that they need to fight and we need to come alongside them. And the reason that I say all that is because there is no space for racism in God's kingdom. There is no space for racism in God's kingdom. And the systematic racism in our country needs to be dismantled. Now, come back and think about how people have said to me, why would I explore my pain of the past? Why do, why do I think about my story? I, like, I just want to move on from those painful things. I don't want to think about them. Why would I do that? Well, I say by never addressing your pain, you cheapen redemption. You cheapen the work of God and what he's doing. Because when we acknowledge the pain, it we can grieve our wounds. We can see that our pain matters and is part of something bigger than just ourselves. We see that God wants to heal us and restore us. He wants to show us that we are not alone. I mean, look at this psalm again. Who is it being sung to? Four times you see his name in verses 1, 2, 3, and 4. Each time it's listed, Yahweh. They are singing to God. 
And God gives that song because he wants us to sing our pain back to him. We sing it because we want to know that God is with us, that God is with you when you're crying in your bed, that God is with you when your heart is overwhelmed at the injustice of the world, that God is with you when you feel hopeless. God is with you when darkness feels like it is overcoming. God is with you, and he sees your pain, and he grieves it, and he hurts with you, and he knows your pain. He is with you, even when you don't feel it. So acknowledging the pain of the present. Well, knowing how we are in the present, knowing how we've got, gotten to where we are, we have to look to the past. And Namely, we need to remember God's mercy of the past. You see this in verse 1, where it says, When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. God restores the fortunes of his people, and they become like dreamers. They were excited. They were free. They were safe, yet they were daring. They were dreamers. You see in verse 2, Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Their mouth was filled with laughter and joy. Those people were excited. Those people were thankful. Those people were laughing and free. They were belly laughing, you know, the kind where you just laugh a little too much and accidentally snort, you know, with your friends. And they were laughing and experiencing joy. And then you see in verse 2 again, Then they said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. I mean, they were experiencing joy, but the care that God showed Israel blew the minds of not just his people, but all the nations around them. I mean, that's amazing that God would show that sort of care for his people. It was so incredible that the nations were impressed. But again, you see, we're, we're so good at forgetting God's mercy. We're good at forgetting the past. We kind of live in this, what have you done for me lately? Kind of mentality. They were forget, this, the, the audience of Psalm 126, they would have forgotten what God had done for them. That was back in the Pentateuch in, in the Old Testament, where time after time God shows this incredible mercy to his people when they didn't deserve it. Times where God fulfills the covenant with Abraham and with Isaac and with Jacob, and when they fail, he continues to show mercy. He rescued Israel from Egypt. He took them into the promised land. He gave them this incredible home, and he shows them mercy even though they rebel again and again and again. And think about us. We know even more of the story. We have more of the Old Testament. We have the New Testament where Jesus comes, where Jesus honors our pain by taking on a body. And in that body, he took our pain and he carried it to the cross. He took our pain and paid the penalty that we should have paid for it. He entered this world of 
pain to bring mercy. And he died as a perfect act of mercy. And then we also have the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is at work. The Spirit who is always with you, who is always working in your life to produce fruit. Always empowering all of us to continue on, to go together, to keep going. And we remember these things. We remember God's mercy of the past. Look at what effect it has on you. Verse 3. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. That's not past tense. That's present. Because of what God has done in the past, in the present, we are glad. And that's not just like a, oh, swell, we're glad. This is, this is different. It is like honoring God and what he has done. It is grateful in our hearts. It is dedication of our lives to him because of what he has done. That's the kind of glad. So we acknowledge the pain of the present. We also remember God's mercy in the past, and that fuels us into the future to number three, where we can longingly ask with hope for the future. Verses four through six are asking God for his mercy He's done it before. Will you do it again? You've done it before. Please help us again. And this memory in the past of God's mercy springboards us to hope. Here's what I mean. Look at verse 4. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the streams in the Negev. Now, this was a place in the southern tip of Judah that was known as dry land. It was known as a parched land. And God is, or the psalm is saying, restore us like the streams of this place. Show us again how fulfilled and how whole and how content and how laughing, how you can make it all is right. Fulfill all of that. Do that again for us, God. We're asking you. We're praying to you. We're longing for it. And he used this metaphor to show us flourishing. And then you see in verse 5, he's saying, Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. What he's saying is, you will come home. You will come home. And you will have shouts of joy. You will come home. And God will have given you a harvest. And you will be made whole. And we've seen this in this past mercy, but what we see here are these promises to do it in the future promises to do it in the future so that we can ask for mercy because we need it. We can go to him and beg him for it. And he has made promises that he is going to be with us, and he's also going to provide this mercy for us as we go through life, as we go through pain. And a prayer might just look like this. 
God, can you help me? I got nothing. It might look like, God, can you meet me in my pain? I really need you right now. You've done it in the past. I know you can do it again. Or, will you show me again? Please, I don't feel it. Come make your presence known to me. I need it. And again, we're so bad at looking back, we forget so easily. And when that happens, we stunt our hope. We stunt hope for the future. We stunt hope for the future because we've forgotten God's mercy. That's why we need the story of the Bible. That's why we need the Holy Spirit to remind us. That's why we need each other to remind us of God's mercy in the past, but also to remind us of his promises of mercy in the future. And that's how we'll continue on this journey with hope, is by clinging to these promises. As Anna is ready to succumb to darkness, it starts to change. Her song starts to change, and it says this, You are lost, hope is gone, but you must go on and do the next right thing. Now, the audience of Psalm 126 was on a journey to Jerusalem. And we are very different than them. We're also very different than Anna. We have hope. We have hope on our journey, but we're not on a journey to Jerusalem. We're on a journey to the new Jerusalem. We are on the journey to our one day, someday, final home. We are on a journey with hope that's going to take us to the new Jerusalem that's promised in Revelation 21 and 22, of this place that has no sin and no pain and no tears. This is our future home that is promised to us, and one day, someday, our journey will take us there. Our journey will take us there. And we're not yet there, but we will be. We're not yet there, and so that means we have to continue to go on. Like Anna says, we need to go on, and we need to do the next right thing. And here's what I want to say. Doing the next right thing is going to look different for each of us. Doing the next right thing might be a prayer that's just really raw and brutally honest with God about how you're doing, and it can be for five seconds. The next right thing might be you pick up your Bible and you read your favorite passage again to comfort you. Or you start reading a new passage to understand how you can find new ways to find God's mercy. Maybe it's about you go and you start to explore your own past pain. You go and talk to someone about your wounds and how you might heal. Or maybe you just sit with someone in their pain. Maybe that's the next right thing for you. That you tell someone, I'm struggling to see God's mercy in the past. Or I'm struggling to see how there's any promised future mercy. Because if we can acknowledge the present pain, 
if we can remember God's past mercy, it's going to drive us to gladness. It's going to drive us to hope. It's going to drive us to gratitude and honoring God. And it's going to drive us to boldly, longingly asking God for more mercy and for hope in the future. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we live in the in-between, the in-between of what's, what should have been and in-between what will be. And right now we're in-between, and so our stories are ones of hurt and pain, but will you show us how you are working redemption, how you are working to make it right again? You are working through your mercy to bring us wholeness and to empower us to go on this journey. Lord, help us to understand what the psalm is teaching us. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.